What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. So glad that you are with me tonight, 24 hours from departing for L.A., or a little less than 24 hours, actually, to go take on the Rams on Friday, so we'll be leaving on Thursday, but it's a Wednesday, but it felt like a Friday, especially at practice, so because it's Friday practice, it's more like a regular season practice, so nothing really that I can report on or would report on, but if you want a little preview of the game against the Rams, I got that for you at HoustonTexans.com or the app. But what you can hear live right now, as I tweeted about it a little while ago, as Mark talked about it uh, this morning, Nick Casario jumped in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio with us to give his thoughts about the preseason, about L.A., and whether he would pick Aaron Donald or Matthew Stafford to face. He had a very diplomatic answer. You'll hear that in three, two, one, go. Joining us now in the Hyundai Texans Radio studio, it's Nick Casario, general manager of the Texans. How's it going, Nick? Fellas, good to see you. Great to see you. Okay, so big week. They're all big, but here we go with preseason game number two. It's a strange preseason, Nick. We're all getting used to three games. Plus, you have this short week and then another short week on top of that dynamic going on. Can you speak to that? Yeah, there's a lot of factors that are involved. I would say relative to the Rams, it's a good opportunity for us against a new team, different scheme, both offensively and defensively. Have some familiarity just relative to having played them last season. Say they've had a lot of continuity. Um, Say they're kind of the way they handle the preseason. They don't play a lot of players, but that's okay. I mean, you're still getting a good opportunity to work against another group of players. Uh, we can evaluate some of their players, and we can kind of see how some of our players do in a different setting. And then you mentioned the short week, which is kind of going to simulate really what's going to happen on the Thursday night game. So play Friday night. I know it's a few days earlier than normal, but play Friday night, come back, and then really Monday, Tuesday practice. Wednesday's the day before the game, and then we're playing Thursday night. So it kind of gives the players an opportunity to simulate what that short week is going to look like. Nick, we played last week, obviously, here. Now you go on the road for the first time. How much does that become, as you call it, you know, a different stimulus? Having to go on the road, that's something you got to get used to as well. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of the travel process, some of the logistics that are involved with that. Uh, traveling, we're to hour-long flight, three-hour flight, whatever that is. New time zone, adjust your body clock, have a long day, games in the evening. So yeah. just to kind of go through what's your road routine going to look like and try to simulate that as best as possible – uh, relative to what you do at home. So it's a good opportunity for all of us on a lot of different levels, from a playing, from a coaching, from an operational perspective. It just gives us another bite at the apple. A little review on game one. You pulled it out at the end, that 90-yard drive. I know not everybody's going to make the 53, Nick, but what does that do for the entire team to see that happen, to come through in the clutch like that? No, you can see the emotion in the players. Throughout the game, you had players jumping off the sideline after a big play. I mean, uh, uh, Rivers had the big sack, and JG was sprinting on the field, doing a chest bump. So the team is engaged. The team is into the game. And ultimately, when you step on the field, it's a competitive environment. You want to go out there and try to win. So I would say there's a lot of things that actually came up in that game situationally that we're going to have to execute in some way, shape, or form against another opponent. So it was a good opportunity live to see what we can do. And that chain of events in terms of got the ball back on the 10, move, scored, 25 seconds left, covered the kick, pinned them inside the 20, and then we're able to get off the field with a snack, uh, excuse me, with a sack you know, on, uh, on the initial play there. So 
those situations, those plays matter. They matter to the players. They've invested a lot of time and energy, so it's nice to see them rewarded in the end. Nick, playing a game, we talked about it before the game, tackling, ball security, those <laughs> kind of things. But you also get situational work. You got it at the end of the first half, and then you obviously got it at the end of the game. How do you think, overall, you handled situations for the first time in live action? Yeah, there were certainly some positives. Um, when you look at a game in general, you're going to look at third down, you're going to look at the red area, and you're going to look at end of half, end of game, two-minute type situation. So, if you were to just take a microcosm of that game and look at those situations, played pretty good in the red area offensively, and then played decent two-minute, you know, end-a-half. Probably could have handled that a little bit better, but kind of had an end-a-half situation, end-a-game situation. And third down is probably an area that we can certainly improve overall as a team. And then offensively, taking care of the football, the turnovers are a part of it. And then defensively, the goal of three takeaways per game that kind of came to fruition. So you're able, in the end, regardless if it's preseason, regular season, postseason, whatever it is, those elements are still going to hold true in, in the game. Well, let's talk D-line here, and that's a lot of fun right now. Not everybody played, but it was like last year in a sense that no matter who you played last year, it felt like people were making plays. And on Saturday night, no matter who you played, they were making plays. You got a lot of pressure on the opposing quarterback, and it wasn't always perfect in terms of yards allowed, but you got the ball out and made the negative plays. Yeah, no, it was a great opportunity for some players that maybe hadn't played as much. I mean, a guy like Kurt Heinisch, who you know was a rookie for agent, had an opportunity to go out there and make some plays. Even Dio played a little bit. Rivers, I'd say, continued kind of his offseason growth and development from last year to this year. I know Lovey talked about him a little bit earlier mm -hmm. this week. Getting JG back on the field, kind of that real live game stimulus, that's important just from a confidence standpoint. So there's a lot that you can accomplish, even if it's for a handful of plays, but there's a lot that you can get accomplished both personally and collectively as a team. Nick, where do these games rank for rookies? Last week we saw Petrie and we saw Damian do some good things. Obviously, Kenyon coming back from what he's dealing with. Sting didn't play. How important is it to get him some reps just to get NFL reps in before September 11th against the Colts? Yeah, everything that we do is important. The meetings are important. Practice is important. The game opportunities are important. So ultimately, you want to make sure that you're prepared for uh, September, that Sunday when we play the Indianapolis Colts here in NRG. So it's all geared towards that. So whatever you have to do in the interim up to that point, we're going to try to go ahead and make sure the players are equipped and ready to go for that chance. What did you see in the running game on Saturday night that you want to see more of and maybe you want to see improve? Yeah, try to keep the ball moving forward. Um, more positive runs didn't have a lot of zero or negative runs. So anytime you run the football, you mean four yards of carry, if you can get to that point, you know, we have an expectation when you call a run, you want to get to a certain number of yards in that play because it puts you in a manageable situation. So Try to minimize the negative or zero runs, um, and then you're actually able to execute some of the blocks, the double-team blocks, the down blocks, the deuce blocks in a real-life setting against another defender where you can actually move or displace that uh, defender. So, And the fullback has an opportunity to front up on the linebacker as well, whether it's an inside run or a play to the perimeter. So all those reps, all those plays are, are important. Nick, you mentioned a guy earlier ended up with two sacks in Derek Rivers, and you had experience with him in 2017. He gets drafted mm -hmm. by New England when you were there. And we, unfortunately, were at the Greenbrier. We saw him go down. He ended up missing that year, and he's had some injuries. But it really feels like when you watch him at practice, you see growth each and every play. And you keep thinking he's a young guy, but he's been around since 2017. What did you guys see in him as a young player in 17 and then the growth over the last few years to where he is now? Yeah, I'd say the overall stick to and commitment to football when he very easily could have packed it in and said, this is too hard, it's really too much, given yeah. the adversity that he's faced. So I think it speaks a lot to him as a person, as a human being, not necessarily as a football player. 
when he came out of Youngstown State, he was a fairly, I would say, active or productive edge rusher. And then he had an opportunity to go to the Senior Bowl. So you're able to see him against, I would say, better competition going from Youngstown State to what you see at the Senior Bowl. Yep. So, and then really the early part of his career kind of got shortchanged there just from an injury standpoint. But knock on wood, he's been able to kind of keep himself healthy and give himself an opportunity to go out there and perform. And you're seeing some of the things manifest themselves that you saw really um, when he was drafted in 2017 in New England. This time of year, it feels like the practices start to change a little bit, less uh, full padded, go ones against the ones kind of stuff, maybe a little more scout team type of stuff anyway, just getting everybody in the proper spot. How does that affect how you see the players and evaluate them on the field? Because you have to evaluate the roster constantly, no matter what they're doing. Yeah, you're evaluating everything, Mark. So regardless of what it, who it's against, we try to still do some good on good. So the offense works against the defense. So you see a certain level of pace and competition eventually you're going to transition to some of the carded periods where you're trying to simulate what the opposing team is going to do. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's a little bit more controlled, but you still want to do it at a, uh, a high rate of speed. But what that player is being coached to do or asked to do might be something different on the card than what we would yeah. ask him to do. So you kind of have to delineate between the two a little bit. So try to get as much good on good work, um, probably even into the season as well. But you're starting to transition. You mentioned when you look at the course of a week, one padded practice, then you're in shells for the next two days. And that's what a, a normal week is going to look like. How close is the roster to completely revealing itself? That's <laughs> my favorite phrase. The I said this to somebody. I said, yeah, the roster is revealing itself. And they went, what? I said, ask Nick. Because Nick knows. But how has the process changed, Nick? The fact that you had to go from 90 to 85 this last week. You got to get from 85 down to... Uh, what? How's that process changed from the evaluation to get down to the fifty-three man roster? <laughs> yeah, the league has kind of changed. It's mm -hmm. gone from so ninety year. to fifty-three, ninety to seventy-five to fifty-three. Right, now right. we're trying this eighty-five to eighty. So you're just kind of managing your roster and you're managing your team. And I would say there's a lot of factors that can win to it necessarily. It doesn't necessarily affect how we evaluate the team. Right. There's just certain uh, timing and checkpoints. By a certain number, by a certain time, you have to have X number of players on the roster. So, do you feel like it's revealing itself to you? We're getting to a point where yep. I think things are starting to manifest themselves a little bit and to provide some level of clarity. So, the one thing that's always unclear is you're going to be things pop up. There are going to be players that sustain injuries that could potentially affect some of the decisions that you have to make. So, try to take all the information in totality and then just utilize it and try to make the right decision for the team ultimately. We'll I'll together. keep using that phrase, though. Just, I'll give you credit every time. I'll, I'm going to reveal my next question yes. here. And that is when this you This is a very revealing interview. <laughs> yes. Yeah. When you see players, you know, make plays at the end of the game, Johnny Johnson or Jalen Camp making a big play, whoever the player might be, it's not them specifically, but, you know, if it's a tight fit, and it always is, 53 is a pretty tight fit on the roster. Is part of you saying, oh, no, 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 <laughs> don't show anybody that because you want to be able to maybe practice squad certain individuals or not. i got to imagine it's happening all over the league with all these teams. Yeah, you really can't control that. You want yeah. the players to go out there and, and perform at optimum level and, mm -hmm. and really make plays. I mean, that's what they're right. there to do, and there's a certain amount. They have pride, and they want to be able to do that. So regardless of when the play takes place, we're evaluating everything. We're watching these games. Everybody's going through the same thing. Like, there's going to be 37 players on everybody's roster eventually – that have been in training camp that aren't going to be there. So we're all mm. going through the same things. There'll be some, I would say, roster mechanizations that we'll have to go through and try to figure out how do we position it accordingly. Ideally, the goal is try to keep 65, 70 players in the building in some way, shape, or form. So how you do that, you know, there's some mechanics that are involved, but ultimately you don't want to get too cute. You can't get too cute. You can't really predict everything. You ultimately, just have to look at your team, try to make the right decision, and then just keep moving forward. I do a segment with Mark called Either Or. 
I'm going to try and come up with the most difficult question to put them on the spot. So I'm going to do a Nick Casario either oh, or. Oh, no. Wow. Watch this. this I just thought You're it was doing one. players? Sean McVay walks across, and he says, look, you're going to face one of these two guys. Which one would be better for your team to face Friday night? Aaron Donald or Matt Stafford? Neither. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would just say, speaking of those two players, I mean, you're talking probably two of the better players yeah. at their positions, respectively, right. in the league. I mean, Aaron, you have to account for him on every play. Like, literally, wherever he is, you have to account for him wherever because he can literally wreck the game on his own. You're a big historian of the game. Is there anybody in the history of the game that he reminds you of? I would say, and I'm not saying they're the same players, but it's funny. We were in a, a meeting, and Lovey's kind of had some uh, exposure to these players. But guys like Sap, you know, with that yeah, kind yeah, of size yeah. and stature and the way they impact the game. So even though they're short, they're powerful and compact. I'd say Sap was really athletic and moved very well, even though he wasn't a real big guy. I mean, when you look at Aaron, he's short, but mm -hmm. he is thick, dense, he's ripped, and he's strong. And he just athletically does things that a 300-pounder, like, realistically yeah. shouldn't be able to do. So every player is their own entity. So it's not like one player is necessarily like the other. Yeah. Um, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. But you're talking about arguably two of the best players at their respective positions over the history of the game. We're going to talk to Lovey about playing time and things like that. But what would you like to see? Because first-team offense didn't get that many plays the other night. Got a little bit of a lather going. But I got to imagine the whole staff wants to see a little bit more and uh, and let them take a test drive, so to speak. Yeah, really. I think the big thing you're looking for is just good execution. So when you go out there offensively, can we string some plays together? Can we have some completions? Can we run the ball? Are we eliminating the negative plays? Are we not false starting? Are we not turning the ball over? Do we not have penalties? Yeah. So however many plays it is that they play for however long they're on the field, you just want to see good execution over the course of that period of time. Nick, as it pertains to special teams, how do you look at special teams in the preseason? Is it more about an evaluation opportunity of particular players, or is it this is the group that we want to start getting ready for September 11th, or is it this really intricate mix of both as you get ready? Uh, John, I think it's a combination of both. That's a fair way to look at it. So you're looking at different combinations. You may try this group, these two players together, kind of see what that looks like. Everybody's going to kind of get an opportunity. And really the, the special teams in the preseason, it's not necessarily about schematics or X's and O's. It's just about can you block, can you run, can you tackle, can you avoid the block, do you make the kicks, can you field the ball, can you catch the ball. So really it comes back to basic fundamentals and techniques, and that's where the emphasis is. Well, we've talked about this a little bit, but you're scouting all the other teams to see who might be available, who could possibly help this team. So how does that work? Do you send scouts physically to be there? Uh, is the tape readily available? How does all that operate? Yeah, no, we, we've we made everything kind of in-house because the tape is readily available really the next day. So game Friday night, you come in Saturday morning. So Buffalo, Indianapolis, that tape is ready mm -hmm. to go. So you can go through their roster. And that one specifically, you're doing a twofold. You're evaluating their team, and you're really thinking about some of your preparation and starting to plan here for the opener. So we we have done it, I would say, his, historically both ways. Like, I personally have done that. As a matter of fact, I'll never forget, I want to say it was Cincinnati and Tampa Bay. They were supposed to play on a Friday or Saturday. The game, Thunderstorm, they were lightning out. So the game was actually moved from Sunday to Monday. So I had to reorganize my schedule and go down there and actually scout. So mm. kind of pushed back the schedule here a little bit. But 
uh, those days of going to preseason, at least from our perspective, we're trying to be as efficient as we can with our time. And we've just found that it's more productive just to do everything in-house, and then we can have constructive discussions. If you want to see something specific that you feel you need to go to a game and see it live, then that would be your re- rationale for doing so. Nick, the change from four games down to three in the preseason, has that in any way changed the way you approach the evaluation of the roster at that point? Not materially, because ultimately it's going to come down to what are the opportunities the players have on the field in the actual game. So some play more than others, some play less, some players play the whole game that you maybe didn't anticipate, but it's really, it's a great opportunity to evaluate those players. And then when the final roster construction comes in place, Everybody, when you watch a game on a Sunday basis, you're seeing the you know the call 11, 12, 13, 14 players that play on that side of the ball. Maybe some of the backups don't get an opportunity to play, so your evaluation is going to be based off what they do in the preseason. So all that information is valuable. Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. When the Texans started play, I felt like in the preseason, everything was really vanilla as far as offense and defense, especially on defense. You'd see four-man front. Whatever your front was, that's what you were doing. And over the years – more people sending an extra body or two, <laughs> blitzing, doing weird or not weird, but just more exotic things, if you will. Is that accurate? Do you see it that way? It depends. I think it's philosophically what you're what you do offensively and defensively and the coordinators' beliefs. I would say you watch the uh, the Giants play defensively, and Wink is a very aggressive defensive <laughs> coach. I mean, he had some of the best defenses in, in the league in Baltimore. And, you know, you watch the game the other night and it's split zero, it's split zero, it's different mechanizations mm-hmm. of blitz zone. That's just what they do. That's who they are. So yeah. I think you kind of stay true to who you are. You're not going to come up with like a, a brand new defense by the time you get to the regular season. Whatever you have, you've practiced it, you've done it. You might want to see it. Um, you want to put it on tape so you can actually talk through it. What are the adjustments? What happened oh, yeah. here? What are the, so You can coach off of it. And then the players can actually see themselves doing it and applying the defense the right way or the wrong way. Nick, there obviously are some veterans that didn't play last week and even Derek didn't play last week. How important is it for a player to actually play in the preseason to get ready for the regular season? Because there are some guys that say, look, I just need to be ready for the regular season. Then some are like, no, 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 I need to get some reps before I start. How important is it to actually play or is that a player-by-player sort of decision or feel? Yeah, it depends who the player is, and I think you talk about it as a staff, and if there's a reason, something specific or rationale that you need to do that, and if you think it makes sense, then you go ahead and do it. If you're comfortable with where the player is, then no problem, and then you're going to communicate with the player and just say, look, here's our plan for the game, and I think it's, you know, there's a little bit of a constructive dialogue that goes both ways, so it's really, what are you trying to accomplish, what are the goals, and I'd say it's really player-by-player specific. Okay, Building, you're more looking forward to seeing. Not team, but building. Building. Is, is it SoFi or is it Vegas? What is that, Allegiant? Allegiant. All right, so Vegas, SoFi, or we go to Atlanta again next year. Okay, <laughs> next all... year going to the new one in Atlanta. Have you been to that one yet? Yes, I've okay. been to, I think, just about all. I'd say the most spacious press box in the league we're actually going to see week two in Denver. So okay. it's actually, it, it's unbelievable. You could literally have a walkthrough I'm in the press box. I that place. So it's huge. And it's loud as hell, and there'll yeah. be some challenges there outside yeah. of the crowd. They have a good team. So, um, you know, there's a lot of good buildings throughout the league. Fortunately, have been able to be in just about all of them, I think. But Man. you haven't been to L.A. yet, have no, you? No, we played uh, – yeah, we were yeah, at you SoFi. Guys, yeah. You had oh. back-to-back weeks yeah, out so there we did. Uh, we played oh, yeah. the Chargers on Sunday, and then we played uh, the Rams Thursday night in follow-up. So okay. um, r- great, great uh, atmosphere, really great uh, great stadium. So. And you all just stayed out there for that, that we time did. period. Yeah, right, we uh, – we played uh, the Chargers, and we practiced at UCLA. So we were at UCLA. Uh, Coach Kelly was able to accommodate us, so we have a relationship with him. So it worked out really well. 
All right, well, let's have a great trip this week. Thank you very much for the time, Nick. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. It's that question that I asked about Aaron Donald and Matt Stafford, that little either-or, that I'm going to throw at Mark in different forms, a souped-up advanced edition of either-or next right here on Texas All Access. Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, I came up with that question that I asked Nick about an either-or, which one if you were asked by Sean McVay, look, one of these guys will play. Which one do you want to see such that your team gets good work against them? And he said neither. I think he danced away. But I would like to see this offensive line against Aaron Donald. I love I, watching Aaron Donald play. Who would you pick? I got to see Stafford. I got to see Stafford because I want to see how my defense is. So, yeah. <laughs> And if he plays Stafford, he is going to play a bunch of other people who can protect Stafford, who can make plays for Stafford. So, in other words, your number one offense is playing. And this is an offense, by the way, no OBJ, no Robert Woods, Bobby Trees. As yeah, no Bobby him. Trees. He's in Tennessee right now. So they got to see how they're going to be without those two weapons. <laughs> of course, they still have plenty to work with, Johnny, but it's going to be interesting. It is going to be very interesting. So I'm going to ask you, one question, and then we're going to flip it to the regular season, and it's going to change the entire question, but a similar vein. So week three of the preseason, we play the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. So similar question. Kyle Shanahan comes to you and says, Mark, I'm going to let you pick. I'm going to play one of these two. Which one do you want to see Ooh, for your team? Okay, sorry. I'm trying to predict where you were going. Nick Bosa or Debo Samuel? Ooh. Which one would you right, pick? So you're not giving me Trey Lance. You're not nope. giving me the quarterback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know whether I'm going to play him or not. That he's out of the conversation. I'll take Bosa. I'll take Bosa. Okay. Debo Samuel is a unique player, and yeah, you're going to see Michael Pittman the following week, but it's not quite the same thing, is it? But they do use Pittman in some different right. ways. Yeah. I would say Bosa would be the guy. Give me that blocking practice up front. Lovey said today that uh, the first team would play a little bit more in the final preseason game, right? Yeah. We'll see how that goes. You know, minds can change, and I'm not doubting him. I'm just saying we'll see how it goes. I'm looking forward to seeing this, though, because we saw practice today, and it was not your regular training camp type of practice, and that's what my question to Nick was about, basically. Right. You know, how does he see it uh, when they're working on – where guys need to line up and how they need to execute execute against certain fronts and certain situations that they're facing. Uh, I thought it was an interesting practice that way. Really good, important practice for yes. the team. Yeah, very much so. And it's you're right. It, it's reached, uh, and he even said he said this is like a Friday regular season practice. And I mean, it's funny because as soon as I as soon as I saw stretching, I realized, oh, I knew exactly what it was. Yeah, I knew it was a Friday, right? So I just put my notebook behind. I just texted Amanda. And I said, "Amanda, guess what? No Harris hits today." So uh, because it's that kind of practice, yeah, it's you're not, not gonna... one that you report on. You don't report anything from that particular practice, other than, "Hey, this guy was at practice," and that might have been it. And Kenyon Green was at practice. He didn't really do much, but hopefully they they ramped that up uh, in in due time. So Debo or or Nick Bosa, I I think if Stingley's going to play a little bit, I'd like him to see Debo. Okay, I'd like to see. I'd like him to see Debo. If Laramie and Titus are going to play a, an extended amount, I might want to see Bosa. I don't know that I want to see Bosa against anybody else, but I want to see. I want to see Bosa against those two. I'll give you another one. Opening day, I'm going to allow you to sit well, a you, Colts player. You're stealing my game oh, here. Oh, this is your yeah, game? Yeah, this is oh, this sorry. is where I was going with I was this. Well, see, you and I, great minds think alike. All right, you go ahead. Okay. You ask me. That's exactly what I was going <laughs> to say. So Frank Reich says, okay, 
you've won you've won an NFL lottery in mm-hmm. which every single game this year you get to sit in opposing Ooh, okay, player. Okay, let's go. But, but it's not the quarterback. The coach gets to pick the two players. The coach what? says, oh. I get to pick these two, you get to pick one. And it's an either or. Okay. Right. And it's an either or. See how it fit into it's my kind of like an, an expansion it, draft where right. you leave the player unprotected. Yeah. Right. So Frank Reich has left unprotected Shaquille Leonard or DeForest Buckner. Which one are you eliminating? It's a really good one. You know, a lot of people would just automatically go to Leonard, but DeForest Buckner is a monster up front to deal uh, with. And against us, too. He has our number. Yeah, it's not good. Oh. When you have those two guys, you know, a lot of sports cliches go like this. you got to be strong up the middle, no matter what the sport is, but it's true. Cliches are there for a reason. Mm -hmm. Baseball, obviously, catcher, pitcher, up the middle, short, second, center field. And then you look at basketball, you know, the old school. Do you have a good center? Do you have a good point guard? That kind of thing, up the middle. Football is the same way, man. Those guys are really good up the middle defensively. And DeForest Buckner is, you know, part of that deal, and so is Shaq Leonard. But I'm going to go Shaq Leonard. Somehow I'll survive against Buckner. Yeah. Shaq Leonard is one of those guys. Yeah, Buckner is going to be a problem all day, but Shaq is going to get the ball out. He's going to rub it in your face. It's not going to be pretty. I want Leonard out of there, and he might be out of there anyway with the injury. Okay, two teams that we play this year. Okay. Denver Broncos mm-hmm. and the Dallas Cowboys. You can eliminate either Russell Wilson or Dak Prescott. Who are you eliminating? Either... Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott, take one away. Oh, that's a good one, Johnny. Because I started thinking about the Broncos. I was going to go they're in both order at the home schedule. against you. No, I no, think, no. You go to Denver. Oh, they're you're both I, at their place. Yeah, 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 against you. So oh, I got you. Yeah. I'll go with Russell Wilson. I'll take my chances. It's week two. Win or lose on opening day. I gotta. I feel like I gotta have that one. But yep. I know you don't have to have that one. Like have to in the must win game two mm-hmm. sense. But I just feel like it would be so good to get it, to get some kind of momentum yeah. on your way to Chicago. And Dak is good. You've beaten him once. Mm-hmm. You're at his place. Right. Gosh, I'm going to go Russell Wilson. I just think Denver is just not even close to being the same team without Russell Wilson. Dallas can manufacture wins without Dak Prescott with that running game at home. I guess Denver did it, too, to the tune of seven wins. But I think Dallas can can win a football game without Dak Prescott. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, Cleveland's December 4th, and I'm not going to ask you about the quarterback. Okay. But you get to eliminate one, an, off, an offensive player, a defensive player. Would you like to eliminate that day Nick Chubb or Miles Garrett? I'll go Chubb. Oh, is Kareem Hunt still playing, though? I don't know. He's asked for a trade. Maybe he's traded But by even Dearness Johnson is a pretty good backup. I mean, he's a good, solid number they two. He's a good line and he's there. the three. You know where I started to get bad feelings as an opponent about their line? During the COVID year, of course. Yeah. And, look, I was doing that game off a monitor. You were there. (laughs) But one thing I could tell with some of the tight shots that I was getting, because I got the all-22 on one side, uh, on the other side, right next to it, I have the TV copy, which I really never look at while I'm doing a radio game. But you could see certain things on there that you can't see in the all-22 or in my binoculars. And one of them was... The nastiness of those guys up front in Cleveland. They have an attitude and an identity as an offensive line, and they're upset that they didn't do well last year. And I'm not terrified of them, but it's not good. I'm going to go Chubb. I'd like Chubb out of the game, please. I'll deal with Miles Garrett. I'm with you. Laramie. (laughs) 
Laramie was a little upset after the game because Miles was like, yeah, they were chipping on me all day. But when they went one-on-one, Miles Garrett didn't get to either of the Texans quarterbacks that day. So Low scoring I'll, affair. I'll let Laramie, I'll let Laramie go one-on-one with him. I'll go, I'll let Laramie go one-on-one. I trust it. Uh, but Chubb, yeah, we can, we can eliminate Chubb. Okay. Texans will face two first round 2021 NFL quarterbacks. Chicago's Justin Fields and Jacksonville's Trevor Lawrence. You can eliminate one. Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Wait, you can who, eliminate one. Luton's out of there. Who's the backup in Jacksonville right now? It is in Jacksonville, C.J. Beathard. And behind him, E.J. Perry from Brown. Boy, you're dying to see him. Uh, kind of and kind of not because I kind of feel like E.J. Perry would – compete his way throughout a ball game and make it really tough on us. Really, really tough. In Chicago, the backup is Trevor Simeon, and his backup is Nathan Peterman. So you're you're getting a big break either way. Yeah. So which one you want? Bet you want Trevor seen, out or you want Bears out or Justin Fields out? Simeon hasn't played well for a long time. I've seen Beathard play pretty well. But I got to say it's Lawrence. I'll deal with Fields. I think that team is not very good. Now, they could beat the Texans because they're at home. They could beat anybody. Look, okay. anybody can beat anybody. We know that. I'll take uh, – wait, did I say so? Yeah, Lawrence. I want Lawrence out okay. of there. You want Lawrence Get out. rid of Lawrence. I, Although I, I'm eager to see another Davis Mills, Trevor Lawrence showdown and see how that goes, yeah. and maybe you make it 2-0 and because uh -huh. I know they're 2-0 and against the Jags, but Tyrod Taylor started week one last year. Okay. Okay. You can see how I'm piecing these together. So – we face both the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles this year. Mm -hmm. We play Philadelphia on Thursday night. Nick talked about that earlier. This is good preparation, a short week. Get ready for right. that November 3rd game against the Eagles. We go to MetLife to take on the Giants. Each of those teams has an alum of Penn State. Saquon Barkley for the Giants. Miles Sanders for the Philadelphia Eagles. The more underrated running backs in the league you can eliminate one of them. Which one are you going to eliminate? I'll take Barkley out because I think, look, as long as Hertz is there, I feel like the Eagles can be effective. Yeah. I feel like without a healthy Barkley, with Barkley completely erased from the equation, right. they're not going anywhere in New York. Yeah. Now, look, okay. I know Dable's there. They've changed the system, everything. I saw a little bit of preseason action with them, and Daniel Jones in one drive got hit three times. Yeah. That's not good. That's not good at all. Yeah. So I believe without Barkley, they're doomed. Okay. We face the Colts and the Titans this year, and you know exactly what I'm about to ask you. You're going to go, which running back would I rather not see? Eh, wrong. Quarterback. No, you're right, running back. Sorry, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't think of an offensive lineman to match up with Quentin Nelson. Um, you could take one out, Jonathan Taylor or Derrick uh, Henry. Eliminate Gosh. one for both games. Oh, for both games. Eliminate one for both games. Jonathan Taylor or Derrick Henry? Henry. Henry. Look, I've seen the Titans. <sighs> we beat them without Henry last year up there right. with Tyrod Taylor. Here it came close in the second half with the comeback. Right. I still got to see it to believe it from Matt Ryan this year. I still think that... And especially with the offensive line not being exactly what it was, this could be pretty interesting. If you're able to slow down Jonathan Taylor and someone hits the snot out of 
Matt Ryan. Johnny, you know me. I want to see everybody play their third string if possible. Yeah, of course. You know, I'm not big on, if you want to be the best, beat the best. Yeah, I get that, <laughs> but I'll play anybody weakened, Here's preferably. The, I, but with Matt Ryan, I kind of want to see Matt Ryan in the Colts. I want to see how this works out for them, and I want to be part of the demise. We both have seen Texans defenses stop Derrick Henry. You know what we haven't seen? We haven't seen a Texans offense stop Jonathan Taylor. We haven't seen that. A defense, yeah. A defense to stop Jonathan Taylor. Wow, isn't so. that interesting? Yeah, but you know what? You have But I mean, those defenses Henry we had much. 15 through 19 are pretty salty. So. Right. And you stopped Henry, what, up there in 2019, late right. in the season, right? right? That's the one time, That's basically. That's the one big time. I mean, since he became Derrick Henry, because when they right. were sort of doing the one two punch with DeMarco Murray and the exotic smash mouth, wasn't exactly the same thing we're talking about right, right now. Yeah, I'll say I'll take Henry out, though. Okay. And I'll take my chances with uh, Matt Ryan because i got to stop Jonathan Taylor at some point. Maybe I can. You know, it's funny because you stop T.Y. Hilton like maybe one or two games in his career. Mm -hmm. You know, usually it's he stops himself, he gets right, hurt, right. whatever, has to pull himself out. That's what this Derrick Henry situation reminds me of. You did stop him in that one twenty nineteen road contest. Okay. Face the Titans twice. Uh-huh. And you, I just compared the running backs, but now we're sticking with the Titans and the Titans alone. You can eliminate either Jeffrey Simmons up front or, and I know they're not analogous players, but just think about how important they are. You can eliminate Jeffrey Simmons or Ben Jones at center. Oh, Simmons. Simmons. I mean, I know it sounds obvious. Now, I know, but you're thinking Ben Jones, the quarterback of that old right. line, and they depend on him, and they ran the ball pretty well okay, without Derrick Henry. Let me change this. Malik Willis is going to start against you, <laughs> you're Simmons stuff. or Ben Jones, for both games. Because if Tannehill's in there, Simmons. if Tannehill's in there, he can run everything in the yeah, center. Yeah, but I feel like I could run fine. on them without Simmons and make some plays. And, yeah, that's true. You know, maybe throw the ball a little God, bit. I feel pretty good. He's so good. Yeah, he's good. He's so, oh, he's so stinking good. You know, good. this division, all right, I get it. Last year, they got one team into the postseason. That's the first time that's happened in a long time, since 2016. Right. All right, so last year was the first time in five years they did not get two teams into the playoffs. This division's pretty good. And I think that when you look at having the two best running backs in the league in one division, that's strong stuff right there. Yeah. I know Minnesota's going to have something to say about Dalvin Cook, but... Right. Most GMs, I think, would put Derrick Henry and Jonathan Taylor right on top. I know the quarterbacks don't scare you as much, but, man, it's a it's a tough go. And the Jaguars aren't getting any worse. I guess the division isn't what it used to be, Johnny. I mean, when you look at the Jags and the Texans' yeah, records last year and the so year what, before. Though? There have been some young players added to the division. Obviously, we're improving the young town over here. It just feels that way because you the Colts why? and Titans are on top. And the Colts and don't have, have, should have made the playoffs. They don't have a Mahomes. They don't have a Josh Allen. They don't have yeah. one of those guys. Yeah. If, if, if the Colts had Justin Herbert... I mean, oh, forget gosh. it. I mean, I, I, that that image. Don't do uh, that to me. Yeah, yeah sorry. I, just, I mean, you have to kind of take into account in some sense. Okay, what if it doesn't work with Matt Ryan? It's a it's a bad year. They go eight and nine, nine and eight. It's not working out. Where do they go from here? I don't. Nick they, Foles. <laughs> well, apparently Foles has been outplayed by Sam Ellinger. But if it's I'm preseason Nick Foles, training camp, if I, I'm Nick Foles, that really bothers me a yeah. lot. 
Because Ellinger was at the University of Texas for, I think, a total of seven years. Yeah, no, probably. it wasn't that long. But it felt like that when you were watching Longhorn football. And although he seemed like a really good guy and made plays with his feet, would make that occasional big throw, I didn't see a boatload of trajectory there yeah. headed toward an NFL career. But here he is, so more power to him. Okay, we will make two road trips to two very fun locations this year. And both of the NFL teams in those cities – made a trade for a wide receiver. You can eliminate one. Okay. Either Miami's Tyreek Hill or the Las Vegas Raiders Devontae Adams. This is a good question. This is a good question. Because you don't exactly know how each one's going to yeah, fit. I got to think about how this they're going to use them. I'm just getting this for the first time. Yeah. All right, so and I'm I'm acting as if I really have a, a factor. You know, this is like I mean the, my input is going to make this happen. Yeah. Uh off the top of my head, my gut says get rid of Devontae Adams with the Raiders. That's uh-huh. really going to weaken them a lot. And you're at their place. You're at the Dolphins' place. Tyreek Hill does not scare me as much without Tua. I got to see it to believe it. Yeah. But I do believe Adams with the Raiders makes them that much better. You know, they don't have guys like Zay Jones went to Jacksonville, and I saw him make some plays last year. Yep. You know, it's all about those plays at the moment of truth in this league, and I just think that Adams can really help Derek Carr a lot. I know – People are listening, thinking, well, Tyreek Hill should be able to help Tua. I don't know. I mean, he should be able to. I'm not saying he's going to have a horrible year, but I don't know. I'll I'll take Adams. I'll take Adams. You probably picked Tyreek Hill. I've always been afraid of Tyreek Hill, but I actually feel like if Tyreek's out, that just means more targets for Jalen Waddle, Chase Edmonds out of the backfield, Mike Kosicki at wide receiver slash tight end, whatever you want to call him. I just think it's more targets for those guys, and those guys are – incredibly good now the Raiders have got that talent too with Darren Waller but he's been banged up you got Hunter Renfro but I don't know that they're convinced that there's any other weapons so if you take Devontae out of there I think Derek Carr is going to get in this mode of I'm going to 17 as much as humanly possible like that's the guy I'm going to the the flip side of this too is the Raiders also have they have Josh McDaniels now and I think he is going to be instrumental in helping Carr. Okay, if you don't have Adams, I can manufacture completions for other players. And I think the receiver the receiver trio between Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, and Devontae Adams is stout. But I think numbers two and three in Miami, Jalen Waddell and Mike Kosicki, are are better than two and three in Las Vegas. So I would I would say Devontae Adams as well. I Listen, you, you know me, Tyreek scares the fool out of me. But Tyreek scared the fool out of me when he was with Patrick Mahomes. Because Mahomes is going to get him the football in some way, shape, or form where he was going to make a play. What about Alex Smith? With the ball in his hands. And, and yeah, with Alex Smith, too. It's just Tyreek was that guy. Now, Alex couldn't take total advantage of it because they were only together for you know a year or two. But it really, the Tyreek box was truly opened once Patrick Mahomes went out there. And so that's the last one. We play Kansas City and we play the Chargers. You can eliminate Mahomes or Herbert. We play the Chargers here. We play the Chiefs here. So that element's out. Mahomes or Herbert, is it as easy as is it a slam dunk that you're taking Mahomes? I will eliminate Mahomes. Yeah. I mean, I think that one's easy, but then again, boy, Herbert's got a... Boy, Herbert's the Chargers without Herbert is probably not very good. You know the Chargers without Herbert would remind me of? Who? Would be the Seahawks before Russell. They had all this talent there, and then Russell got plopped into it. It was like, whoa. Look, what we got. I think the Chargers would be the same way. The Chargers are mega low. And by the Andy Reid is good at manufacturing wins with another quarterback. Though. That's very true. Throughout Speak, his career. Speaking of mega loaded, you see the deal that Darwin James got? Who? 
baby, you got paid. 76 mil for the safety from the Chargers. All right, nice job, Mark, and nice job, Kaimi Fairbairn. What do you mean? Oh, yeah, he's next right here on Texas All Access. Texas All Access. Texas All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texas All Access, and we kick it off, <laughs> no pun intended, with our pal Kaimi Fairbairn. Let's go. How excited are you to go back home? Do you, do you venture over to the, uh, the old haunts where you used to rule the UCLA campus? You can do that when we get there? Yeah, I'm excited to go to SoFi. It, it's not exactly home. It's my second home. Yeah. Of course, got to can't forget about the islands. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it'll be fun to go to the West Coast, see the new stadium, see the new setup, and um, continue this journey to a preseason and getting ready for the regular season. How do you feel right now where you are going into the regular season? I mean, for, for your specialty, being ready to go on September 11th, how much do you kind of kick leading up to it? How many days off do you get? You sort of like a pitcher, or you sort of like starting pitcher, or you sort of like a reliever where you got to kick every day, or a starting pitcher where you do it every few days? Yeah, I think pitch count is important, um, but honestly, it's a lot to do with mental reps for me. Um, physically, I feel good. Frank and Bake and the whole the whole coaching staff take good care of us, and you know, especially Weeks and and Cam, it's just mental reps and seeing the ball. And getting comfortable in those situations, getting called out to on the field and going one for one. With your special teams this year, just looking at the team across the board, and obviously in, in preseason it may not be what you have going into the regular season, mm-hmm. but just overall from a special team standpoint, you talk about Cam, you talk about Weeks, Bake, and also Frank, and then the group of players you've got. What's the outlook for you for this year looking at that group as a whole? I think we look good overall. There's there's not much let off across the board wherever we, we, we whoever we put out there, you know, and it's it's gonna be tough for, you know, Frank and those guys to make those decisions. Um, but you know, I think as a unit we're gonna be great. Uh, we put a lot of attention to detail into everything we do and we just gotta continue to do that every day and um, go out there and execute. Now, I don't know if you and I have talked about this at all. Last year against Seattle you went sixty one yards. Now in practice, how far have you gone, and how far do you think you could go in the perfect conditions at NRG Stadium? Oh, man, that's tough. I, I've, I've gone back there to, you know, 65, 67. Um, but honestly, I don't, I don't touch those numbers very often. Yeah. To me, I'm, you know, trying to be perfect inside 50. Yeah. Um, that's one of my goals. And um, to me, being those, those reps are the ones that are important that, you know, hit game one. You might get one or two 60-yarders attempts in your career. Um, so, yeah, they're nice to hit, um, and they're fun. Um, but to me, the, where, where you make your money and help the team a lot is within 50. Favorite field goal you've hit since you've been a Texan? Could be last one in Seattle, could be one in 2018 to beat Dallas. Favorite field goal that you've hit in your career as a Texan? Oh, that's tough. <laughs> you've hit a few? Yeah, I've hit a few. Um, I don't know. It, it was kind of a team win. Um, obviously, the game against Buffalo in the playoff game. Yeah, yeah. Um, yep. You know, it was, a, it was a chip shot, but just what it meant to the fans and um, us as a team, and moving on to the next round in the playoffs. It's, it's uh, it, that one. That one sticks out in my mind. Sticks out for a lot of people as well. Big thanks to Kaimi, to Mark, and to Nick Casario. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.